Hello. I am the genuine real electro-algorithmic total numerical efficiency sorting system. You know. The greatness meter from that was great, wasn't it? Keith is under the weather and having trouble talking. Miracles, am I right? But fear not, season 2 of that was great will not be delayed. Crane kicking off September 9, 33 years to the day it originally debuted, will be jumping on the Cobra Kai coattails to cover the Karate Kid. Join Keith and his friends. And me of course, as we reminisce on our youth via the nostalgic power of a Saturday morning cartoon about Mr. Miyagi, Daniel, and Taki. Wait? Who the hell is Taki? How is she tied to the shrine? Wait? What the hell is the shrine? This seems a long way away from the Ore Valley. Subscribe today. Obviously there will be continuity details from week to week you'll need to keep up with. Follow us on Twitter and Insta and how great was that? Until then, we look forward to you listening. Did he make me say crane kicking off? Alright, let's get some levels. What do you got, Oz? Levels? Like those little uh, metal things? Jim, with the Jim Lovell, commander of Apollo 13. Of course. Everyone knows that. Didn't you just buy that movie? Doesn't mean I've watched it yet. You're only 25 years behind. You should be all about that movie. I should, shouldn't I? Ed Harris is Gene Krantz. Mm. All you really had to say was Tom Hanks in space. Bill Paxton? Uh, Kevin Bacon? Yeah, Clint I Howard? Kevin Bacon does not sell me on a movie. It kind of does the opposite. Kevin Bacon's pretty great. I don't think he's a bad actor. I'm just like... Hmm. Not impressed. What's your What's your opposition to Kevin Bacon? I don't know. What have you seen him in? Footloose. Oh, come on. That, it's like his worst movie. That cocktail movie. Cocktail? It, That's Tom Cruise. He's the... Um, I don't know. Do you watch Cocktail? I, I, I have seen that movie. Oh, wow. Yeah. People didn't even see that movie when it was brand new. <laughs> I watched <laughs> it with my friends. I think it's uh, a joke. That movie, it's, even... that's the only way to watch it. That movie's terrible. Yeah, I think I, I successfully made it through that movie one time. I just see Kevin Bacon as like mid. Hmm. I think you're selling him short. Kevin Bacon's pretty great. He's uh, not flashy. But he understands the assignment every time he gets a job done. He's Sebastian Shaw in uh, X-Men First Class, remember? He's the bad guy in X-Men First Class. Is he? He is. I didn't clock that. Tremors. I don't know what that is. The big underground worms. I don't think I've seen that. Oh, Tremors is fun weird that it's that like a b like movie a but it also knows what it is it's i i think tremors gets a bad rap tremors is really really fun okay that movie knows exactly what it is and it plays it up right i'll take your word for it yeah yeah that'll make its way to the show Hello and welcome to the picture show with Austin and Phil Rude. I'm Austin Rude, and I don't know. I I guess if you're new here, I'll say it. I'm the son on this show. 
You can tell by all your youthful energy. And I'm Phil Rude. I'm the dad or the curmudgeonly old guy. Same thing. <sighs> Every week we watch a movie and then I tolerate my son enough to sit on the mic. Verbally harassing. And talk about it. That's right. Uh, Austin, this week, the pick was yours. It as was. It's our March of Sci-Fi. Uh, I guess we should do that during the month of March. But our hmm. season of Sci-Fi marches on. It does. Uh, as you could probably tell by the title, this week we watched Passengers. Uh... Um, coming out in 2016, this movie followed Jim Preston, a mechanic and one of 5,000 passengers aboard a luxury space cruiser, when he wakes up 30 years into a 120-year-long journey. With 90 years to go and no way to put him back in, into a frozen slumber, he is trapped in space for presumably the rest of his life. A year after his pod malfunctioned and woke him up, Aurora Lakes, a fellow passenger, also wakes up. The two quickly bond and develop feelings, but what she doesn't know is that her pod never malfunctioned. Jim woke her up and doomed her to die along with him. Spoilers! It's in the trailer! <laughs> Passengers uh, was written by John... You got me. Spates? Spates? I'll go with Spates. Uh... Directed by Morden Tholdom, uh, and it stars Jennifer Lawrence, Chris Pratt, Lawrence Fishburne, and Michael Sheen. And really, that's just about it. There's that's almost the, nobody else in the movie. pretty much the whole cast. There's the, Hologram the, like, Lady, actors. and then uh, you kind of see the crew coming out later. Yeah, they do have a few credits on IMDb for that, but no one that I recognized. Yeah, I think it was... Uh, I, didn't, I don't even recognize the director. Uh, let's see what else. Uh, the Imitation Game. That's a decent movie. He directed that? Uh, yeah. Uh, okay. Looks like did some of that Jack Ryan uh, TV show. The Office spinoff? I know it. Yeah, where Jim Halpert joins the CIA and uh, gets heavily involved in the Iraq War. And uh, John Spates. Ooh, ooh, hold on. What's he done? I have an interesting story about him. Written so. by... Uh, he wrote Prometheus. He wrote ooh. this. He wrote Doctor Strange. He wrote... Dune. Dune? He's got a screenplay by, uh, screen story, The Mummy. Eh. It's story, not script. <laughs> I'm, I'm gonna give him that one. I, I, okay. I never saw it, I never wanted to. But, um, uh, yeah, this guy, this guy's got some, some kind of heavy credits. I mean, yeah. that's pretty impressive. A lot of high sci-fi in there. And Doctor Strange. Um... <laughs> Sick Marvel burn. Yeah, that's right. Controversial. Oh, I'm coming for you today, Marvel. Uh, I actually wanted to talk about this writer real quick because... Uh, oh, I'm sorry. I didn't mean to jump the gun. No, no. I, I I, don't know much about the specific writer. You told me more than I actually know. Uh, 
But I do know about this script because before the movie Passengers was made, this script, uh, this was like an indie script and it was on the blacklist for years before it kept on being like, you know, optioned, but then shelved. Uh, but it was put on the blacklist and it was finally picked up and, uh, it's, it's quite the story of like, it's, it's a success story pretty much. Um, yeah. Yeah. Uh, we'll get into it, but I can kind of see why maybe people were gun shy about this movie. You think? I think so. Okay. Uh. You can launch right into it. I I think I will. I I, I want to hear your thoughts. I I don't dislike this movie, but I don't really like this movie either. Um, and I think there are some. I think there's a lot of problems, particularly in the the character um, parts of this movie. They struggle really hard to make Jim seem like a good guy who has done a terrible thing. Right. That's what they're aiming for. And and I, I, I really give them a lot, this story, a lot of credit and the script, a lot of credit for having the balls to go there. Like they didn't just, uh, this wasn't an accident. This wasn't like Jim does something horrible, like legitimately horrible, like ruins another person's life on purpose. It's bad. It's really bad. And I don't know that the movie ever lets him fully recover from that. No, I I, I didn't I, want I to think, talk about that. And I think the movie goes a really long way. Like, if Jim hadn't woke up, and if he hadn't woken her up, the entire ship would have been destroyed and all five... Like, he literally saves 5,000 people. But at the same time... Uh, uh, the way this movie plays out, I never get in, I never emotionally get over that and get back on Jim's side completely. And neither does Aurora. I, I don't, don't think, think so either. Right. They they play it off, but it's really just like they have this really action, tension-packed third act where they have to put everything aside and work right. together. But like... There's never an emotional resolution that leads to that end. I don't think so either. She I think decides to stay with him. I kind of feel like this is this feels like a script where Jim is supposed to die at the end, and almost like a Twilight Zone or a a weird uh, save the day. But here's what it costs, and now she's completely isolated. Mm-hmm. You know, so like he saves her and screws her over at the same time. Uh, again, because now she doesn't even have Jim, who she doesn't like. She's just alone. Uh, and this feels like a studio note where they're like, well, no, we have to have the happy ending where they get together in the end. Where, like, that's where I was saying when we were watching this, this movie is a romantic comedy plot. Like. But turned serious. But but much. with uh, uh, the stakes being much, much higher. Like, in an 80s or 90s romantic comedy it would be the relationship that is based on a white lie that the guy said to get to have a meet cute with the girl or whatever. And it spirals and out of control. And then later on, she finds out, oh, it was a lie and our whole relationship's based on a lie. And then he does some grand romantic gesture and wins her back. That's this movie, but 
the white lie it's based on is, oh, I ruined your entire life and doomed you to die of old age on this spaceship. Yeah. And a little hard to come to terms yeah. with. <sighs> Even the robot knows it's wrong. I know. Like, yeah. Uh, Michael Sheen is like, ooh, he keeps kind of like, I don't have emotions. But then he's like side eyeing Jim the whole uh-huh. time. Um, the whole thing is, the whole thing is a valiant effort. I'll say that. This movie takes bold swings and takes bold chances. It makes bold choices with its lead character to do horrible things and then try to win you back over. That's a huge artistic creative choice. It's really all built around like this ethical dilemma. Yeah. That like, I mean, no one wants to be lonely and trapped aboard like and there's something he can do about that he can bring other people in right he can't rescue himself they even have uh lawrence fishburne he says you know he was drowning you know he says a drowning man doesn't mean to but he will drag someone down with him. He's just trying to save himself yeah and it's like i get it i the, the movie does a really good job of intellectually justifying what Jim does. But every time I would look at it, I would go, it's so wrong. He ruined, you know, like, it's not that... (sighs) I have trouble feeling bad for him. So do I. And, and like, I I do kind of wish she had died. Or at least that she had... uh, because at the end, they find out, oh, we can override this medical center to be a cryogenic sleep thing. Right. And one of us can go to sleep and live to tell the right. tale. And she chooses not to. And I'm really like, no, that was your out. You don't have to live the rest of your life yeah. with this guy that is, like, psychologically tortured Which you. also, again, feels like a plot device to make it look like Jim... Is a good guy who's trying to give her agency. Yes. Like, because for me, the whole thing is there's a great message in this movie about making the best of your situation. About it's not about going to Homestead 2. It's about living your best life. No matter. It's about the journey, not the destination. All Mm -hmm. of these trite things. The movie is trying to make a point about that. Like. Nobody's plans in their life go correctly. And you have to make the best of what what you're dealt. And I think that's a great message. But it just gets bogged down in all of these other things. Like, yeah. she didn't... He didn't have a choice either. But he is a victim of circumstance. Then he basically robbed her. Of the ability to make that choice. And then with the pod at the end. He's trying to give that back to her. But it's like no dude. You've already taken agency from her. Like this doesn't make it right. You know what yeah. I mean. Like there's you, a, you, you just can't undo something like that. Plus that's total bullshit. Because dude there's no way a ship that big. Would have one medical pod. One. Yeah I was thinking <laughs> that. I'm like. For some, you, it's you it's have, just such a plot device thing. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like it just. You gotta have one near the spaceport. Right. right? <laughs> and then you have to have one near the other pods. Presumably if there's a medical condition. I don't know. Uh, what really like gets my goat. Is the fact that. 
if he hadn't woken her up, think about it. He would have been fine. He could have, uh, because Lawrence Fishburne, he wakes up, right? He does. He's able to help save the day. I think Chris Pratt could have done this all on his own. He could have, granted, he might have offed himself before he got the chance of loneliness. He might have gone crazy. The point wasn't the ability to survive. It is the the idea of companionship. Right. Right. But but my thing is, like, the situation resolves itself in the end. Because if he hadn't woken anyone up, he would have been the only one alive. Everyone would have been saved. Right? And then he's able... He'd be the only one awake, I mean. And right. he'd be able to put himself back to sleep in the medical center. Right. Which... So everyone would be happy, pretty much. But he... he he didn't wait that long to see the situation. He also didn't. Out. He also didn't know. He didn't know. You know, and like, that's you yeah. can never know how things are going to play out. It's a it's a big awkward movie, mm-hmm. but it is. This is this is the kind of movie where I would say, um, I would rather watch a movie. Try. Uh, try something difficult. And try to get its head... Like, I would rather watch this movie than the most by-the-numbers kind of franchise... I'll I'll just say it, because I'm throwing shade at Marvel today, apparently. Uh, Then just a by-the-numbers Marvel movie, Mm -hmm. where you know exactly all the story beats, you know exactly how everything's going to play out, and it's a big, dumb CGI battle at the end... That you can't follow and you don't care about. Like, can I can I draw a comparison because it's in my head right now? Are you going to defend Marvel because I'm not trying to make this about Marvel? I am not. I'm just saying this is better than a boring movie that plays it safe. It this it's reminding me of Rise of Skywalker, but like Rise of Skywalker plays right. it safe. Yes. it's so just basic, generic. But they try to have like, oh, Kylo Ren is sacrificing himself. In that same kind of way, but, like, I can't even give them credit for that because it's just so, this needs to happen for this to happen to this to happen. It's Nothing's earned. Yeah. Nothing is, uh, it, it is playing it safe, just like The Force Awakens is entertaining, but it does play it safe. Mm-hmm. It was very much like a, hey, the prequels did this weird thing and nobody liked it. We're going to go back to the very basics. And that's... It was it was meant to be like, hey, we're going to do what you like. But it was really like, hey, we're going to make sure you don't yell at us this time. Yeah. And, it, you know, like, but yes, I would rather watch something like this. That is, a, it, this is hard because I didn't really like this move. I didn't think this movie was very good. Okay. It's not bad, but it's not very good either. But it is really, really trying to do some very interesting things. And I have to get it, give it credit for that. I think this movie is worth watching to watch it try and tackle these ethical dilemmas. Mm-hmm. And, and watch it try to display what it means to be a human being. And, you know, our need to connect with people. And uh, some really, I think, hard to hard to portray kind of ideas. Yeah. This movie really tries, and I think it does pretty well at most of them, but it just never wins me 
back on Jim's side, it which is what it needs to do. It doesn't go completely all the way. Right. But I'm with you with, I don't think this is a great movie. Like, I think it has some major faults, but I'm always entertained by it. Like, I'm never it's bored not a, watching It's not movie. an unentertaining movie. No, I'm, like, I'm just saying, like, on, on a character, it never wins me over completely. Yeah. Uh, not just the character or not just the character of Jim. Like, this movie just never wins me over. A hundred percent. I didn't hate it. I didn't... It wasn't a chore to watch it. Uh, it's a little bit long. It's about two hours. Which is just about right. Any longer and it would have really been... Overstaying its Really been trying my patience. Yeah. But uh, for the story it was telling, I think two hours was just about right. And I was never bored. You know what I mean? So it wasn't like this was a chore that I hated. It just never was quite as charming. Even in like, like Michael Sheen as the bartender. Yeah. Like, like that guy's the most kind of charismatic guy in uh, Good Omens. He's everyone's favorite angel. He's, he's great. And I like, I saw what he was doing here and I'm like, yeah, you're doing the shining thing. I get it. Uh, and it just never quite got me there. You know what I mean? Everything in this movie just, it was entertaining enough to watch, but it just never quite got me completely on its side. I, the bartender is an interesting character. It is. Because I feel like there's more to that story that never got completed. Like... I don't know if he's only in here to be the character device to reveal, uh, or the plot device to reveal, like, oh, Jim lied to you. Right. Uh, but at the end of the day, it's, we're painted as like, oh, this is an android who doesn't have emotions, or at least they assume he doesn't have emotions. Yeah. He never, ever says that he doesn't, uh... Like, Jim punches him, and he goes, see, you don't feel that. But, like, you never know if he actually can feel it. Um, but what gets me is, like, he says, I, I'll i protect your secrets. I, I'm a bartender. I'm right. charismatic. That's, that's what I'm programmed to do. And he chooses to lie. You can see in his eyes, like, he, he tells Aurora because he knows he has to. Because, like, it's wrong that Jim's lying. But also, I have this theory that, like, he wanted Aurora for himself. Hmm. And I feel like there's a storyline there. See, again, a more interesting, entertaining movie. <laughs> right. I, I just feel like there was more there, maybe. But there... I, I'm, I'm going to disagree with you that he... He didn't lie. And he didn't tell Aurora... Uh, because he wasn't keeping his promise to Jim, uh, Jim said, there are no secrets between us. Oh. And the whole, everything he had set up was, this is a secret. You can't tell Aurora because this is a secret. And then he says, no, there are no secrets. And so he's like, oh, okay, it's all on the table. Oh, she knows. Oh, so my God. That was, I think you're it, right. It was a computer like logic thing, which I thought was very smart, actually. It's the the way 2001 HAL thing. It, there In is 2010. So much that I thought was going to happen uh, with the computers malfunctioning 
mm-hmm. and things like that. I thought it was going to be based on Jim lying to the robot. I don't remember what the bartender robot's name I was. I don't either. Uh, but I thought it was going to be rooted in that. Oh, that, in that That this would be problems. like, yes, this would be like literally uh, the the karma of his lies would come out in the ship and all the robots mm. turning on them. His lie is tearing it, this the, world the, the, the logic of The logic of the computer, because that was... What we just saw in 2010 was, that was like, oh yeah, Hal was given conflicting uh, orders, and that's what that's what made him flip the script on everybody. Do we need to call up this writer and like, uh, just pitch him our, oh, our revamped idea? I had so many thoughts of where this might go mm-hmm. that I was so excited about. I thought that... Um, uh, that Jim would go full shining. Right, and, go crazy. And start hunting down Aurora in the ship. And, uh, you know, I thought Aurora would come into the bar and find the bartender just completely dismantled. Uh, that he had taken revenge because it told, you know, it told her. I thought this was going to go, like, full horror movie. And I was here for it. Maybe it should have. I was... I, are you disappointed? I want... I, that may color a little bit of how I I came out on the movie was I kind of was um and I think maybe because this was a little too safe. I'm gonna say the tone was a little too lighthearted at the very beginning when he has a ship to himself and he's like, Oh, I'm getting drunk in the Mexican restaurant and I'm right. I'm playing dance dance revolution and and you know like the, uh, it was a little too like uh have you ever seen the last man on earth with um uh, oh, Will Arnett yeah 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 it was a, a little bit like that like mm-hmm. and I'm just sort of like oh man uh because I kind of at some point I was I don't remember where but I started thinking oh this could go really dark it could slide they're setting it up light so that it'll go. swing yeah. so far in the other direction. And I was really, I really was hoping for it. I, I had a note um, that I took during the movie that I think Chris Pratt is bad for this role. And I'm not like, this has nothing to do with the politics of his personal life. I don't, I don't care, guys. I'm sorry. I don't care either. And it's not like, I, I. I just think that this role was meant to be more serious. And then the studio was like, we need to put him in everything. Because this was around that this time. This was uh, Guardian's time yeah. that... Uh, I, I'm going to say something uh, a little controversial. Oh, boy. Right? I don't think Chris Pratt is a very good actor. Uh, I don't think he's good in Guardians. I don't think he's good in very much. What I think he is very good at is being uh, charismatic I think he's very funny on like Parks and Rec. Oh, I yeah. think he's very funny in Guardians, in the first Guardians movie. Um, but I don't think like he's an actor, actor. I think he's like kind of a movie star. Like he has good charisma. I think he's in this role because he's pretty good at being like an everyman, an average guy. Yeah, you can put you know, anyone 
he you can put him in any situation yes. kind of. You could buy him as oh he's a mechanic. Okay. I'll I'll buy him as that. Yeah. He looks like a regular guy. He looks like he would be like the best looking guy in any Midwest small town who's working at the gas station. You know what yeah. I mean like like it, but he's just sort of like he's a, he's a handsome every dude. And I think that's why People wanted to cast him in like all these action hero kind of things. There was talk about making him Indiana Jones. Mm-hmm. Um, there was talk of putting him in the new Star Wars. They put him in the action the, blockbuster Mario. The, I, we the all Jurassic know Park. I mean, it is like the very there's the we're back in the eighties as far as movies go, where action movies are unrealistically muscular men. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, it was Schwarzenegger and Stallone in the eighties. Now it's, if you're in a Marvel movie, you spend six months, uh, you know, fasting, eating, eating nothing but like pure protein and destroying your body so that you can, yeah. you, know, you know what I mean? Like or just uh, CGI doing, doing, it's so unrealistic, doing insane things to your physique, like that nobody should do. Really. Yeah. Um, but like, then you have like the flip side of the coin, which is like Chris Pratt, uh, in like the Jurassic Park movies and stuff like that, where he's just supposed to be like the every guy. And that's what happened in the eighties when like it was Indiana Jones and it was, uh, uh, lethal weapon and die hard. These guys like Mel Gibson and Bruce Willis came in and they were just sort of like regular dudes thrown into these crazy situations. Right. That was the whole point was like, this is the every man that, that the whole audience can connect with. Mm-hmm. And I think that's what Chris Pratt. I think that's part of why he's in this movie. But I think the emotional weight of this movie is too much for him. Right. Uh, like, I, I I think it caused them to go a little too lighthearted with it. Yes. To fit his persona in this. You're getting like, into like real serious ethical dilemmas and you're just watching Pratt walk around and talk to himself. Whereas like, I don't even... Whoopsie, I woke you up. Yeah, like, I mean like... There are other actors that I think could have just carried that in their their physicality, in their facial expression. You know what I mean? Like who's uh the Arrested Development and Ozark guy? Oh, uh, Bateman, Jason Bateman. Jason Bateman. I think I Jason feel like Bateman might have actually role. been good because he could have done the comedy, the funnier, the lighter parts but of it. But he does serious so well. Too. It, he really he does handle the weight of it. He, uh, Jason Bateman actually does. A lot of things really well. And I think he can carry that full range that this movie was trying to do. Where it's like, you're right, Pratt can carry all the all the light stuff. Yep. And then it kind of got into more ethically gray. Uh, I'm being generous here. Sure. Uh, waters. And I just feel like he, he struggled with that. Um. On the flip side, Jennifer Lawrence, incredible in this role of... I did like her a lot, Granted, it's a little 2D, uh, her side of it, because of they end up making her forgive Jim, uh, and they don't really earn that. But I feel like she really pulls the innocent, like, character, but also, like, the horrified betrayed like there's oh, yeah. a range of emotion in here and she does uh when she starts walking away after she realizes and jim starts coming towards her and she holds the hand up and i'm like 
That's where Chris Pratt got the thing to hold the dinosaur oh back. Oh my god. And Jurassic Park. No, I think He's Je- a raptor. <laughs> He's blue. Uh, I think Jennifer Lawrence is great in this movie. Uh, mm-hmm. I, I I like her anyway. I think she's uh you know, I don't watch like the Hunger Games. I know you're lost. She I, I no, I saw the first Hunger Games. I I, know I, I have I, I have nothing against it. I just have not seen them. Uh the X-Men movies. Is one of those weird things. It's like where if that's all you know Jennifer Lawrence from, it's one of those things where I go, don't judge her by those. She kind of, she was kind of known when she signed the contract for X Men, and then she kind of blew up, and then was kind of. I think she was like committed to doing. She was a whole bunch more, and she did not want to do those movies. The moment she got killed off, like she. Yeah, she was so she was sleepwalking through uh, those yeah, last three. Like, movies. Uh, <laughs> you know, she did not want to be there. You know but, what though? Get that paycheck. I sure, sure. But she wanted to be out doing other things, and it's like more interesting movies. And it's like I'm there. Yeah, I mean, but she she does a movie. I recommend this to everybody. It's called Winter's Bone. Uh, it was like the first thing I think a lot of people saw her in. It's amazing. She's so so fucking good in it. Interesting. Uh, I haven't heard of that one. It's like a she's like a high school student in uh I think she's in Appalachia somewhere. Um no no, no. she's in um Arkansas or Missouri, so down by the Ozarks, I think. Anyway, that's not important. Um she's taking care of like her two younger siblings uh and her dad is missing. And they're going to lose the house. Mm-hmm. Her dad's a meth cook. And he's jumped bail. And she's she knows he's been killed. But there's no body. So they can't get their bail. They can't get the bail back. Oh, wow. And the whole thing is about her going to like the redneck mafia in her area as this kid. Pleading with them. Tell me where my father's body is. We're gonna lose our farm. Every it's just it's this really intense drama. That's and, what it sounds like. And it's a drama. It's, it, yeah, it's not an action movie. It's not anything like that. It's just this really intense drama. It's really dark, but it's just wonderful. And she's so so good in it. And it was one of those things where, I don't. I think she had been in a couple of things before that, but it was like her kind of breakout thing. And people were like, "Where did this woman come from? Like, she's incredible." Yeah. Uh, John Hawks is in it. It's a bunch of people that you just like character actors that you've seen in a, a hundred other things. Uh, I have it. That's really cool. Somewhere. I, I Winter's didn't know Bone. That was... uh, absolutely check that movie out. It's so, so good. That So that's kind of where she got her start? It's where I first saw her, and I think it's where a lot of people first took notice of her. I okay. think she had been in things before then. Uh, and then it's like, you know, she did the X Men movies, and then kind of blew up with Hunger Games and right. didn't want to do the X-Men movies anymore. And now she's, I mean, she's doing some incredible stuff. She's, uh, she's done some stuff with David O. Russell. Um, I don't know. It's Jennifer Lawrence. Everybody knows Jennifer yeah, Lawrence. She, Everybody she, has a favorite Jennifer thing. Lawrence thing. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but I think she is like way better than the rest. She's like the best part of this movie. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't like her, uh, some of her, like her interviews, Oh yeah, you know, here's my backstory, but I just think it's poorly written. It's not sure, her. That that's it, she's just, acting out this. A lot of things are very very thin in this movie, 
And it's like, it makes sense when you tell me that, like, this was on the blacklist. Because it's like, this reads like a early script of someone who went on and did other things. Like, this is an early script that kind of floated around. And it is sort of like, oh, yeah, they probably would have done a better draft of this now. You know, well, and... I I actually think this is not the script that was on the blacklist. This okay. is the movie that was made several rewrites after. And... I want to tell you something that I think is going to change, like, the whole perspective of the movie. Okay. Because in the original script, which is out there, Shining it's on the in internet. Space? Is it Shining in Space? It's not Shining in Damn Space. Damn it! Uh, it's Dr. Sleep in Space. No. <laughs> uh, so in the original script, Aurora is the point of view character. We wake up with her. Ooh. We assume... That Chris Pratt has woken up at the same time as her. He, I like this better already. The reveal isn't until the end of the second act. And it throws everything into chaos. When she realizes that he was awake earlier and he woke her up and has lied. We get to discover the lie with right. her. and It changes the perspective of... That character, it would change a perspective of the entire audience. Oh, that's... It's everything. Yeah. It's... I, I really am kind of disappointed. I haven't read that original script, but it is out there. And I just... I wish we had gotten that. See, version. again, that just sounds like a studio that didn't trust that an audience would be smart enough for that. Or, you know, whatever. They played it safe. They played it safe. They dumbed it down. Um, and... I'm not going to, without reading it, I'm not going to say that definitively that's a better script, but it is a more interesting idea. Yeah. You know, and, and, and I, I really like that. That's really, um, yeah, that's really interesting. It changes things, I doesn't so. it? Yeah. I, Absolutely. Um, I, I thought it was worth bringing up while talking about this movie. Cause... Well, and it, it speaks to, I think there's bones of that in here. Because that is where we get like the the ethical gray area that Jim is in. You know, he did a terrible thing for good. They were selfish, but for a good reason. A reason yeah. that made sense to him at, at the time. It's under, I think anyone in that situation, it would be. You would be tempted to do that. Yeah, it really And, 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 and I, I like, the movie is still exploring that. And, and you can see that as like a holdover. I have here a, a, a bunch of notes, but really like, the note that sums it all up is this one. There's a good movie in here somewhere. Mm -hmm. Like, I'm kind of being hard on this movie because I don't think it executes really, really well. But the ideas, the ethics, the the weird moral ground, um, or immoral ground as as it shifts, it's it all points at something better than what the sum of its parts is. You know what I mean? Like like there's something in here that it just didn't get brought to the surface. It like and you're telling me about earlier drafts of this movie and it just sounds to me like, yeah, the bones of that ma made it into the final draft. 
but the really interesting stuff did not. Yeah, so, so much got changed. So like it, the the very heart of this movie, it's it's like a it's like when you you hear about a house that has like good bones. Uh huh. It's like oh yeah, we're gonna have to gut the house, but the structure of the house is sound. You know, the studio and, put all this ugly wallpaper right, on here. You end but... up you end up with a basically a different house, but the very foundations of it are there and they're strong and they do come through. And yeah. and that's in this movie too. I think there is this started as something really interesting. It just didn't come across in the final product. I I think that's right. Is that is that fair? Yeah. Or am I making sense with that? No, like, I, I it's in here somewhere. It, it just is. didn't get. It just didn't get to the surface. And I still think there's enough there to make it an interesting, cool, worthwhile watch. It, 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 I'm, it's worth watching. I it, like. I heard a lot of shit about this movie when it first came out, and it, I don't. People I, were very mixed on it. I, yeah, it, people were mixed, but the people who didn't like it really didn't like it. They were like, mm. "This is dumb. It's boring." And it's like, I don't know if you were expecting Guardians because it's Chris Pratt. And, you know, I don't, you know, some yeah. people uh, look at sci-fi and they want action sci-fi. And then when they get, like, intellectual sci-fi, they're like, oh, no, I didn't. That's boring. Right. You know, look like at the reviews of Ad Astra. Like, people like, oh, what, why aren't there more explosions? Like, I'm, I'm going to uh, send you a, a video and I'll link it in the show notes, too. Uh, I watched a video from the Royal ocean film society Mm -hmm. uh youtube channel and it's about the marketing of these intellectual sci-fi movies and it talks about you know every year from this year to this year we got one of these it was ad astra it was gravity it was uh i don't remember what else um uh blade runner 2049 these these really kind of high concept science fiction movies. Annihilation was Annihilation in there. was in there. Uh Ex Machina I think was also one that he listed. Sure. But he's talking about like but these were all marketed as action movies. These were marketed mm-hmm. as more exciting. And then the backlash from that is people go see it and then they go this is boring. Don't waste your time. And they end up losing money. But the people who do see them and do know what the, you know, don't let expectations mislead them, really enjoy them. Critics like them. These these things are like highly regarded, but they end up ultimately losing a lot of money because they're poorly marketed. Right. They're and, lying and just like about what they're selling. These kind of things about expectations versus what you actually get. And so much of that is in the marketing. I remember seeing... Uh, a clip for this and it was the swimming pool scene where they lose gravity and the, the, you know, which looks like a very tense, uh, kind of scary. Yeah. That was in like all the trailers. Suspenseful thing. And it's like, that's not what this movie is though. You know what I mean? Like it just is sort of like 5% of this movie is the ship malfunctioning and them in danger. Right. But if you looked at the trailer, that's, that's like that's what it thing. is, yeah. yeah. Uh, you know, and then they have like Lawrence Fishburne, um, who is in Event Horizon about a haunted spaceship that's, you know, killing people and stuff. So that you get that in there too. Lawrence Fishburne's great in this movie, by the way. He is. It, uh, it's he's not in there for part. very long, yeah. and he's only in there to advance the plot. Basically, Th- they're quick to write him off. Mm-hmm. Oh, someone else woke up. Okay, bye. 
but I love Lawrence Fishburne, and I'm glad he was in it. Just glad yeah. to see him. He was really good. Uh, but yeah, the uh, marketing of movies like these, I think, is just horribly handled by studios. And then it, it, I think it does affect like the feedback that gets out there about these movies. Yeah, I think that's right. Not that I think this is a real high-minded intellectual movie, but it's a slow burn. And if people went into this expecting one thing, then they're going to kind of push back on it. Yeah, they're not going to get what they yeah. expected. There was no uncredit scene. I stayed. I checked. <laughs> Wasted a bunch of my time. Oh, man. Nothing. Nothing. Uh, we had centrifugal gravity again. We did, yeah. Yeah. And an interesting... I liked it. I, I thought that was such a cool design. It was. I, I like the elevator that goes between. Uh, they showed in the beginning, like, he goes in an elevator and it shoots between the different arms of the ship mm-hmm. and he loses gravity for a few seconds yeah. just because he's he's not in the arm that's spinning anymore. I think that's cool. It's a great design because it's not just going around, like... 2001 or the martian um they're kind of angled yeah so they're it looks like it's swimming through space or pedaling a bicycle it's or like something a little like that. yeah like a boat propeller yeah kinda. yeah it's cool it is cool um yeah similarities there uh the the chris pratt hand raptor thing. hand thing uh we also have chris pratt doing another dance-off scene yeah, that'll never uh, The old. worst part of Guardians somehow got carried over to <laughs> uh, <laughs> to this movie. Um Yeah, so a lot of a lot of similarities. Uh what else you got? I You wanna talk about colonization of planets? I mean, I did think that was an interesting there's a lot I thought, of like, I thought there was too. Outside of, like, the ethical dilemma that's at the heart of this, there is a lot of world building outside that of, like... Without being heavy-handed about it. Yeah, it's like, just It's just details. sort of like, yeah. Um, I, like, the, she interviews him about, why would you, why would you go here? Uh-huh. You know? I mean, everyone on that ship is giving up their life entirely right. to go work. And sh- she even is like, you're gonna be in debt? For this trip, uh, I think it was like 20% of all of his earnings for the rest of his life right. are good. Indentured servitude, pretty much. Which, I mean, that's like social commentary in itself. Of, it is, but this is, far off. this is like ahead of like Elon Musk announcing what his plan for a Mars colony was. Yeah, but we see, we saw that in like coming to America in, you know, the what 1600s like 1500s oh i thought you meant the movie the eddie murphy movie no uh, uh, like, i don't <laughs> remember that not. part of eddie no i no, we did and it's easy to look at that and go well yeah that was then we've come so far since then and then like you get to today and you hear the billionaire class talk about setting up a mars colony and people go well yeah it'd be for the super rich it's like no 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 poor people can come too and they'll just work for me yeah. like and it just is like, oh, it's exactly the same. We're, we're just rebranding it. This uh, is like when you, whenever people talk about cloning dinosaurs, mm-hmm. it's like, that's when you realize like uh, tech giants watch science fiction 
and take everything but the lesson. Like, they watch all these cautionary sci-fi tales, and they go, what a great idea. And it's like, were you not paying attention to how, how, yeah. <laughs> like, how horrible it's all? Uh, yeah. E- Elon Musk is going to be, like, the worst Spider-Man supervillain. <laughs> I really... Is, I uh, can't wait. Yeah, uh, I can. Uh, anyway, yeah, I, I thought it was interesting, and I thought it was portrayed really well. Uh, the idea of essentially indentured servitude um here they kind of laid it out in a way of like oh it's a percentage but like i think the reality of it would be more like um have you ever heard of like company towns in like the mining yeah areas of uh, where you get paid in like the money that right the they have their own currency and the 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 mining company would basically own the town and the store in the town. So they would pay you, and then you would just give your money back to them. Yeah. And it, it was just sort of like, and that's what it would be. That's, you know, like, it wouldn't be like, we're going to take 20%. It would just be like, yeah, you're going to work for us. And then when you buy goods, you'll buy them from us. Like, it's mm-hmm. just like, that is what it would be. But I also like the the other side of that coin where it was like, um, he wasn't going into debt. He was kind of recruited because he, he was in a trade. He's got a desirable And it is job. like, that is a, that is an upside to, I mean, outside of the indentured servitude angle. Like, no, but it's that a is like the idea thing. of like, yes, we need all of these people to come build our society. Mm-hmm. And so, yes, we would want to bring them with it. It wouldn't be purely money driven. To do that, and I thought that was a, I thought that was an interesting angle on this. Jim is, uh, he is a regular guy, you okay. know, one hundred percent. They even show like he can't access certain amenities on He's the got ship. The most basic yeah. meal, he, all yes, that. the the cup of black coffee. He can't get a fancy cup of coffee. Yeah. That's the most basic meal, and it is just sort of like that's really really interesting because, uh. You know, initially you think like, oh, he has run of the ship. And it's like, no, he really doesn't. He can't yeah, get it. He's not first class. Yeah, he can't get into all the good stuff. And and I just like the concept of like, the people who own this ship own a planet. Like, they, they aren't just right. running a company that like, they're not a cruise liner. They, they right. own this planet yeah. and they get to decide who gets to come there. And, I mean, if you want to get into the colonization aspect, they own a planet that supports life. So, what happened to the uh, inhabitants of that planet before... What what was there? What was it? Yeah. And uh, uh, the idea of... I don't think the idea of a colony or colonization has to be... It's like the word plantation. Where a plantation really means farm. You know, it's like... But a, there's negative connotations. But, but because of, you know... Uh, I don't know if you've heard. Right. I, because of, of, of you know, Civil War plantations. It's like, nobody's really comfortable with that word. It's like, mm-hmm. it's a perfectly fine word on its own. But nobody's real comfortable using it. Like, there's a, yeah. there's a restaurant in California called The Soup Plantation... And people do kind of debate constantly, like, is that 
okay? <laughs> like, Are you guys okay uh, with this? So there is like the idea of setting up a colony. If you went to a, uh, a planet and there literally was nobody there and you set up a colony, it, you know, fine. Mm-hmm. But like the, the historical implications of colonization and what that has meant is just sort of like, you know, it was one of the first things in this movie that I flagged was when they're like, oh, we're almost to the colony. And I'm like, ooh, what? you know, like, yeah. and then you kind of find out, oh, yeah, it's this quadrillion uh, dollar, literally quadrillion dollar corporation uh, has set up a colony. So it's like mm-hmm. privatization, all of these things that we're dealing with on Earth right now. I you know. the The one thing, though, is we don't know if this is a world that was found, you know, habitable to life, uh, or if it was like terraformed, we don't really know. I, there is a line though, and I'm trying to remember the exact word. The Genesis project from Star Trek too. It it worked. It did work. Uh, but Aurora says something like, we're going to such and such one of the reclaimed worlds, I think is what she uses. Interesting. Jay, I think, like means, means like they like suited to earth yeah think, maybe but they turned it into a a prosperous place but i don't know i don't know that's really i mean that's a lot of the again we're into like ethical murkiness mm-hmm. you know like because you you don't know it's just this could mean anything that's, there's a lot of ways that space travel can go. Yeah. You hope it's the the ethical way, but... Sure. You never know. You never know. Uh, and I probably won't have to deal with it in my lifetime. But... You hope the right people are. Uh, you got anything else? I, I think that's pretty much it. I... Yeah. I think we've covered this movie. This is one of those movies where it's like, there's a lot of big ideas, but I don't feel like they explored them enough to really dig a ton of conversation. The thing I I always go back to is uh, Ready or Not, the movie Ready or Not. Remember when we did that one? And it was like, we really enjoyed that movie, but it's just sort of like, there's not really that much to talk about. It's so straightforward in its execution. Yeah. And um I mean I feel like there's a lot here. We we kind of ran through it fast, but You want to go through it again? A yeah, slower from the top. Yeah. Uh no, we'll just slow down the audio. No, I think th- that's what I was saying though. Is I think there's a lot of ideas here. And once we go, we acknowledge that the idea was there and our thoughts on it, like a lot of those ideas didn't really get fleshed out in the movie. Yeah, we're expanding on it, so, but it's like the movie the didn't. The movie didn't, yeah. And we can only expand on it so much and still be talking about the movie, you know. Mm-hmm. But it's just as a... Uh, yeah, I don't know. The, like, In a lot of ways, like I say, I admire this movie for taking on some really interesting ideas that aren't... To, to paint your main character as a bad guy, that takes balls to do. It's challenging. And then to try to win the audience back over. That's that's a tall order. And you gotta hand it to him for trying. Uh, I and just, for some people, maybe it worked. I, I I don't know. I would love to hear, like, and be like, oh yeah, Jim, I, I date him in a heartbeat. I'll like, tell you what, man. Just in being 
on the outside edges of like film Twitter, uh, just being around the people talking about movies on the internet, every movie, I don't care how bad the movie is or how bad I think it is. Every movie has someone who fucking loves it. Yeah. For one reason or they may like it because it is so bad. I, I do kind of like that. People, yeah. It is like the the idea of like meeting someone who's like a completely dysfunctional human being and knowing like, yeah, there's someone on this planet for you. There's someone, you know, like the lid for every pot kind of yeah. uh, uh, theory. Like, yeah. Every every movie, even if it's the person who made the movie, who loves that movie. But every every movie has a fan. I saw somebody today say... They love Grease 2. Grease 2 is one of the single worst movies I've ever seen in my life. I I don't say this a lot. There's a lot of movies I don't like. I hate that movie. Wow. Like, that movie is... Uh, I, It's awful. I, I thought them exploring the ramifications of driving a car into the sun... <laughs> into the sun. A really interesting <laughs> choice. Really? Yeah, they really dropped the ball on that halfway through, though. Yeah, but I mean, I, Mean Girls three. That is just gotta love it. That is just the point, though. It's like every movie. I don't. I don't care. Somebody loves that movie. Yeah, you know those weird Christian movies that are on like Hallmark Channel. Somebody loves those. Somebody I, loves the Hallmark. They're Channel. making them. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, there's no way that this movie doesn't have uh, a bunch of defenders and people who love it. And you know what? I don't even think that's that weird. Because this movie isn't that far gone. You know what I mean? For me, I, I'm sitting here saying like, I don't particularly like this movie. But I, I can 100% understand how people would really like this movie. Yeah. This movie clicks with somebody. And and I would love like, and I don't say this much, but I'd love like a novelization of this movie. Like, you know, if someone took this, if, if they don't, I'll do it myself. But... I I would love that. Just like a to get more in depth. Kind yeah, of like thing. a rewrite. Yeah. Just like yeah. more. You get more of the character stuff. You I wonder if there is see um, Aurora's inner monologue. I mean, she's an author. You could so easily write this from her point of view. You could. What I'm wondering is, um, a lot of times, a novelization is written from an early draft of, of the script. A script. Yeah. So a lot of times you get uh, deleted scenes, things that aren't in the movie will be in the book. Mm-hmm. Uh, I used to read a lot of movie novelizations when I was a kid. Um, just because they were easy to get. And a lot of times I couldn't go see the movie for a long I, time. Sure. So I would, yeah. I would get, I would pick them up at like the grocery store and you would read them and then you would go see the movie and then you'd be like, Hey, wait, there's like a whole scene missing. Yeah. And it just, like, if this has been rewritten so many times, like, there's a chance there's a novelization of Passengers that is closer to that original script, you know, where it's like, starts with her waking up mm-hmm. and her POV. And that could be like, that could be really interesting to see something that's been in development hell for as long as this has. It's like, I wonder if there's like a novelization that's way earlier. You if know, there is someone send it to me. It's please. like a it's like a time machine on your you know your computer. You can time machine your computer. 
Yeah, you, to you like get set to it, see yeah, the different set all your software back to the to that version. See the different stages and, this story and, took on yeah, as it grew up. That'd be really interesting. I want, yeah, I want to go find uh, I want to go find scripts online of this now. Um, because there's something here. That's what we keep coming back. to. Yeah. Oh, for sure there is. Um, but yeah, we'll uh, we'll update on that when we don't do it. But um. <laughs> <laughs> We come up with a lot of grand ideas on this show. Spoken like someone <coughs> someone who knows us too well. Yeah, that's right. Um, let's move on to shout-outs if you don't have anything else here. No, that's fine by me. All right. Uh, you want to go first or you want me to? Uh, I'll go. Uh, mine's a quick one. Um, I, I don't actually know how popular this is, but it's kind of niche. Um, I play Dungeons and Dragons, the satanic game that everyone is panicking about. <laughs> and uh, I have... Satan! That's right. Uh, he plays with me. He's in the party. Oh, nice. Um, I found... It's called The Goblin Notebook. And it's a website. Uh, it's, it's real easy to navigate and use. And you just... It's a note-taking website for D&D. Okay. Uh, so as you're playing with someone, you know, there's little categories. You can p- enter in quick descriptions of places you've been, uh, characters you meet, monsters you face, and the items you pick up. Just to kind of help you keep track and refer back to. Uh, so, like, if, you know, a few sessions later uh it's it's been a few weeks in real life but for your character it's been a few days and they're like oh remember when we went to so-and-so tavern and you have note of that that you right. can easily refer back to uh so I've, I've been using that for a week now and i'm excited to see how it goes but i'm really liking the layout and everything nice so yeah the goblin's notebook well i don't play D because i'm a good christian boy well, um your loss. So I don't know what you're talking about, but hopefully some Satan worshiper finds some good use out of it. <laughs> I'm sure we've got some nerds listening to this podcast. That By the way, D&D. if you if you uh, are a member of the Church of Satan, uh, welcome to our audience. Thank you for being good, accepting people. There really is an <laughs> awesome, like... <laughs> Thank you for being more Christian than most Christians. <laughs> so, most evangelicals in America, anyway. The rules: don't be sexist, homophobic, or take away people's the rules. Rights. Come on in. Yeah, that's it. Yeah. yeah. Anyway, uh, yeah, that's the Goblin Notebook. Uh, what do you got for us? I was gonna save this for next week, but since I'm dogpiling on Marvel this week, uh, I'm gonna throw it out there now. This is an article from Vulture. Uh, entitled, I'm a VFX artist and I'm tired of getting pixel fucked by Marvel. And this is a really interesting article I found a couple weeks ago floating around on social media. I will link it in the show notes and I really think it's worth a read. I'm not trying to get anyone to stop watching Marvel movies. I just think artists deserve to be paid. They deserve fair, fair deadlines and they, uh, they deserve to be uh art directed uh by people who know what they're talking about and not given outrageous demands mm-hmm. uh a lot of the way the bidding war works in 
uh, these Hollywood VFX studios, Disney outsources a lot of stuff in Marvel movies. They give them impossible deadlines. They uh, cut down. They bid a job that should take this many hours. They underpay on that because they think the prestige of having Marvel credits on a design house is enough. And right. then what that ends up happening is it ends up taking two or three times. They want stuff redone at the last minute. They have impossible deadlines. Quick want, changes, all that if stuff. If you wonder why so much CGI in Marvel movies looks like shit and has for years, this is why. When they started cranking out two, three movies a year, they that's just it. They just got faster and shortcuts are taken. A lot of that CGI looks like garbage. I mean, people talking about that She-Hulk show looking like crap, and it does. Like, everything I've seen from that show, that CGI looks terrible. Yeah. And it's because it is, I mean, everything is just shotgun through. It's and it, last minute. It's, it is. It's, it's a really, it's a really easy way to burn out VFX artists. Mm -hmm. And I think just following people in, uh, commercial art in general, I was following a lot of people and a lot of conversation around uh, the video game industry a few years ago. I don't follow so many of them anymore or don't see as many of them in my timeline. Maybe this is still an issue, but I don't hear about it as much. But there was severe burnout among artists and animators in the video game industry. Trying to make ago. everything look realistic and, and stuff. And hitting these crazy deadlines that, again, this is what's happening with Disney, is executives are making the deadlines. And then looking at uh, the effects that get turned in and then going, oh, I don't like this and coming up with something completely different. And it's like, we're out of time, but they want it done. Yep. And when they don't, then, I mean, Disney essentially has the power to shut down some of these small design houses. Anyway, read the article. It explains it all much better than I can. I'm sorry. I've had a really rough year uh, doing freelance art. And this article does. It's different, but it is a lot of the same uh, frustration. And it is probably all just coming out now. Anyway, I think this is a really eye-opening thing. It is the kind of thing... I'm not saying it's the humanitarian crisis that's like sweatshop labor. You know, finding out like, oh, your shoes are made by children in sweatshops or something like that. It's Marvel not the, CGI is made by children? It's not the same thing. But it is like, hey, here's a product you enjoy. You know, you should want... You should want some ethics behind how it's made. You know, we shouldn't... We shouldn't be closing our eyes on... Yeah, I don't care if... I don't care if Disney's playing fast and loose with their VFX houses. It's like, yeah, you probably should. Like, mm -hmm. there, there is... And it is, uh, I think it's really interesting just from an artist's point of view to see, um, to hear somebody who I think clearly left the industry and was like, uh, now I'm going to tell you what it's really like mm -hmm. uh, working for these these houses. So And, and I'm uh, tired of people like blaming the artists. Like, oh, wow, they didn't, yeah. they didn't try at all. Like, I see that in tons of... Yeah like marvel comments and just yeah. like 
people not understanding at all how things are made. They're slashing budgets. I mean, they've done it. I mean, on the comic book side, they've done it for years. And it's like, dude, a team of people turned around a 30-page book in 30 days. <laughs> Do you understand <laughs> what a feat that is? Honestly, it's crazy. It, it really is. And they do it each and every fucking month. You know, like, yeah, people people who don't understand how art is made, critiquing how art is made is... Uh, it's not our most pressing problem, but it is annoying. It's it, very you know, annoying. Like, yeah, to, to try and keep it in perspective, it is like... Uh, yeah, it's a problem, and it undervalues, it undervalues art, and, and those, art those is of something... us trying to get paid enough to sustain ourselves, that becomes a real problem. Yeah, art, art is something that, I mean, the world runs on, but no one seems to right. understand that. Yeah, I mean, you hear it's, it's you hear a lot of stuff. I mean, you, even talking about like funding the arts or or things like that. You art? Oh, who needs art? It's like you. Whether you realize it or not, you interact with art every single day. Like, everybody does in Western society. Like, I'm sorry. You think you don't, but you get up, you put a t-shirt on that has a graphic on it. You know what I mean? You watch something on TV. You, you have a water bottle that's logo was You stare at your phone someone. all day, which is full of graphics. <laughs> you know, it's sort yeah. of like, this is all, like, you're interacting with it all day, every day. And just so many people don't even realize it. Yeah. Anyway, I'm done ranting about that. For now, check in with me on Twitter to hear more. Stay uh, tuned. But, uh, on that note, I am going to just shift to gratitude and say thank you for listening to this episode of The Picture Show with Austin and Phil Rude. If you enjoy our show, please leave a review on your podcatcher of choice. It helps our visibility. It helps us grow the show. That's right. And another way to help us grow the show is tell a friend. Please, please, please tell a friend. If you don't Wake have... one up. That's right. Sorry, did I steal your joke? All right, let's do it again. No. I'll uh... cut it out. <laughs> no, 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 no. <laughs> uh, it's fine. It's fine. I'll just come up with another one on the fly. If you leave a bad review of our show, we will strand you in space for 90 years. How does that sound? I like it. Yeah, so tell a friend hilarious. something good about us. Thank you. All right. Uh, anyway, <laughs> after that vague threat, uh, <laughs> what is next week's movie going to be? Next week is my pick. And we're going back to the 80s again. Again? Again. Again. We are not going to space. We're going underwater with James Cameron's The Abyss. I'm really excited for this. I've not watched The Abyss in a few years. And, um, yeah, I'm not going to make any bold statements, but I will say I'm a big fan of The Abyss. I I don't think I've watched it in full. I, I do. I've seen some of it. I, I'm, I'm I really excited general... for you to see it because I think The Abyss is super interesting and uh i i think it's it's super overlooked in the james cameron filmography it for some reason is right next to the thing in my brain and i think that's just dad's sci-fi favorites uh, uh it could be I, <laughs> it could be i don't know and tonally also but i there's a I just there's a there's the an topic. isolation element to it um you know uh a ragtag crew 
the scientific base, right? Uh, they're underwater. Yeah, yeah, they're like on the ocean floor. Ragtag crew, alien. I mean, yeah. There's okay. There's uh, there, I've, uh, there's a parallel right there. We're already talking about it. There's a parallel right there that I have never seen until you just brought it up. So good job. We're that's, off to a good start. That's what I'm here for. Uh, I'm really looking forward to watching The Abyss with you, though. Um, Stay tuned next week. Because I, I, I really enjoy that movie, and I think it'll be a cool twist on our sci-fi season to do something. It's not space. It but is. Dad, science fiction is space. Oh, science it's fiction is everywhere. Yeah. All right, Austin. Social media. What do you got? I've got Twitter, and you can follow me at Austin and Rude, and. The Who Review. Where can people find you? I'm at Phil Root on Twitter, at Phil Root 75 on Instagram, and ko-fi.com slash Phil Buy me a coffee, buy yourself a book, or you can just follow me. I've started uh, posting updates on my graphic novel on on Ko-Fi or coffee, Very whatever nice. you want to call it. Uh, I'm just posting uh, photos of pages in progress. If you want to, you can just give me a follow. doesn't cost anything. And you'll get those updates. I don't put it behind a paywall or anything. So cool. uh, you can follow. You can, you can, I mean, honestly, see those photos on Twitter, Instagram, anywhere that I'm, I'm posting. But that's a place, too. So. It's an extra place. It's a, it is an extra place. Uh, Oss, you want to read the credits? Yeah, we did it all ourselves. Well, we had to. We we're the only two awake. That's right. Which Everyone else in the house is sleeping. Might actually be true right now. <laughs> there you have it. We'll see you next time on The Picture Show. See ya. <laughs> we have the Mouse and Weens podcast. Mouse and Weens. I'm a big sister in San Diego with kids, and I'm married. And I have uh, no friends. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. No, I do. I have friends. I just don't have any boyfriends or love. <laughs> anyway, Mouse and Weens podcast. You usually listen to it. Yeah, it's, it's not really depressing. Fun. We talk about family stories, life, and love, and kids, and all the things you're interested in. We promise. Yay! Celebrities in Hollywood, too. Poke your little turtle head out and come listen to us. <laughs> Mouse and Weeds. Bye. Bye.